the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. God has given us the seventh day as a sign and a seal that we might never stop knowing God as Savior and Creator throughout the ceaseless ages of eternity and that we might do what we need most definitely to do, that we might come and rest in Him and never give up on Him and forever and ever and ever and ever and ever learn anew that love goes on and on and on because God is with us. That is Pastor Michael Oxentenko, and this is Reaching Your Heart. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, you can call at any time, 24-7, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Someone is standing by right now to take your phone call. Today's message with Pastor Michael Oxentenko is entitled The Sign and the Seal. And don't forget you can find it online at reachingyourheart.com. Here's Pastor Mike. He will gather Gentiles in the future, Isaiah says, unto him. And God is speaking, so him is another. But him in the context is another who is God. The good shepherd that will gather and keep God's people. And it is no accident that Jesus makes direct reference to this verse in John 10.16. In fact, most Bible margins in John 10.16 will have Isaiah 56.8 as the source of Jesus' statement in John 10.16. It's a Sabbath gathering unto the Messiah that's being predicted here by Isaiah. Look at John 10.16. Here's the illusion. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. Jesus is speaking. Now that means outside of Judaism. I have sheep out there in the world, in the great world religions. And I must bring them also. And they will heed my voice. So there will be how many flocks? Two, like the dispensationalist theory says. One flock and how many shepherds? One shepherd. There are no two peoples of God in the Bible. It's a false theory because God loves all people. And God has made the two one in the mystery of the gospel. Jesus says, I am gathering people. Friends, the Sabbath is the question in biblical eschatology to unite the hearts of God's dear waiting saints on the eve of the advent of Jesus Christ because it points to the love of God to bring his people together in worship, experience, and love. According to Isaiah, Gentiles would be gathered into Jesus Christ and keep the Sabbath day. Like Jews, thus there be no difference. Look at Exodus 31, 16 again. Let's read it. Therefore the people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath throughout their generations as a what? What does it say? As a, the Hebrew says, as an everlasting covenant. Berit alam. The Bible says the Sabbath is a perpetual and eternal covenant. Berit alam. Some Bible translations translate this word as I said lasting, but it's the same word used for eternal throughout the entire Old Testament. According to the Bible, the Sabbath operates as an eternal covenant that stays there and never goes away. Now look, I'm married to a beautiful lady. 
should have been a lot of amens there. Okay, that's true. And she's also a smart lady. There should be more amens. But you know what? If I even get close to looking like I'm going to break that marriage covenant, she has fangs and claws. Yeah. And you know, there's a doghouse outside in the back. That's where I would be if I broke the covenant. Now, I don't want to break the covenant. Because I want to live in the house with my beautiful, smart wife. Now, who would want to break the covenant and not live in the presence of God and His Son? It's not legalism. It's relationships we're talking about here. According to Genesis 2.1, the Sabbath is the seventh day. New Testament affirms it by the sequence of Christ's death and resurrection. He rested on the day between. It says it's the Sabbath day in Luke. According to Exodus 31.16, the Sabbath is an anniversary of an everlasting covenant. You don't want to live in the doghouse. The Hebrew word seven. Now, some people say, what's so important about seven? I want to get into that here. The Hebrew word seven is taken from the verb in Hebrew that means to swear an oath. Let me prove it to you. Open your Bibles. Turn to Genesis 21. Let's look at verse 27. We're going to follow the text down here. But the Hebrew number seven is itself so significant in describing what the Sabbath is. So Abraham took sheep and oxen and gave them to Abimelech. Abimelech means my father is a king. And the two men made a covenant. Abraham set seven ewe lambs of the flock apart. And Abimelech said to Abraham, what is the meaning of these seven ewe lambs which you have set apart? Now he's trying to say, why did you choose seven here when we're making a covenant? And here's the answer. Look at verse 30. He said, these seven ewe lambs you will take from my hand that they may be a witness. That's a legal language, a witness. For me, that I dug this well. He's saying is the seven lambs are proof that I am the creator of the well and I'm the owner of it. That's what he's saying. Now look at verse 31. Therefore that place was called Beersheba. Now Beersheba is two words combined. Beer, which means well, and not the kind you don't need to drink. Well, beer, Sheba. Sheba means oath, and it can mean seven. If you look in your Bible margin in the Revised Standard Version, it will say, well of the oath, or well of the seven. Therefore, that place was called Beersheba, well of the oath, or well of the seven, or both names that it works there, because there both of them swore an oath, so they made a covenant at Beersheba. And a lot is there. The footnote, as I said in the Revised Standard Version, indicates that Beersheba has two meanings, the well of the seven, or the well of the oath which means the number seven can mean oath in the Hebrew Bible. In verse 27, Abraham and Abimelech made a covenant. In verse 31, they swore an oath. In verse 32, they made a covenant. So you can see how the covenant and oath are interchangeable here. When you get married, you make promises, don't you? And you have an oath and a covenant, same thing. So the seventh day, what is the seventh day? The seventh day is really the oath day of God. It is the covenant day. That's why Moses said the seventh day functions as everlasting covenant. It's legal, it's relational. In the Bible, you ratify a covenant and you make it legal by signing your name on it. Anyone here bought a car recently? I've been looking for a car. I may have to sign my name. I don't want to buy a car because when I sign my name, I've got to pay those monthly payments. You guys like monthly payments? But if you don't pay it because you sign your name, they can take things from you because they have a legal right to what you have. So it's serious to sign your name. You ratify a covenant by signing your name on it. In this sense, the covenant stands for the integrity of the name that signs it. 
in the Bible, now hear what I'm saying, God's everlasting covenant is in fact God's sacred name, Yahweh, the eternal name, the covenant name itself. I could prove that to you, and I will today a little bit here. Turn to Psalms 111 verse 9. He, God, sent redemption to His people. He has commanded His covenant forever. God's covenant isn't here today and gone tomorrow. Holy and terrible is His, what does it say? His name. You see how God's name and God's covenant are treated as interchangeable truths. Look at Isaiah 56, 6. We looked at it before. The foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister to Him, to love the name of the Lord, to be His servants, everyone who keeps the Sabbath, who does not profane it, and then holds fast my covenant. You see how honoring God's name and keeping His covenant are treated as equivalents. Malachi 2, verse 5. My covenant with Him was a covenant of life and peace. I gave them to Him that He might fear And he feared me. He stood in awe of my name. So here again, God is affirming his covenant. And the response is, you honor God's name. 2 Samuel 6, verse 2 is a very good one. And David rose and went with all the people who were with him to Baal Judah. means the husband of Judah, literally. To bring up from there the ark of God, which is called by what? Now, the ark of the covenant had the Ten Commandments in it, right? Deuteronomy 4.13 says that was his covenant, the Ten Commandments. So what was the ark called? What was it called? By the name of the Lord of hosts. In other words, the ark that held the Ten Commandments was called by the name of God because you can't separate God's covenant from God's name. In Deuteronomy 4.13, And he declared to you his covenant, which he commanded you to perform. That is, the Ten Commandments. And he wrote upon the two tables of stone. In Deuteronomy 6.8, the Ten Commandments were to be written on the forehead of every believer. How many of you realize that? Some of you don't. Turn to Deuteronomy 6. And these words, now he's speaking of the Ten Commandments in the context, because the Ten Commandments are given in chapter 5, Deuteronomy 5. And these words, the Ten Commandments were called the Ten Words. These words which I command you this day shall be where? You know, we're to really like the law of God, not dislike it as Christians. It's to be on our heart. Go to verse 8. And you shall bind them as a what? as a sign upon your hand, and they shall be as frontlets where? So the law of God is to go in your hand, and where else? And your forehead. Now that's where the mark of the beast is going. You see, the mark of the beast is an attack upon your relationship with God. It's an attack upon the moral covenant of God. It's an attack upon that which so many Christians say is obsolete today. You need the covenant of God because you need God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. That's in Deuteronomy 6. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. What does that mean? It means God's law is to be on your forehead and your hand. You're loving with all the being that you have. Revelation 14.1, at the very end of time, this language is used to describe those who get the victory over the mark of the beast. I looked, and lo, on Mount Zion stood the Lamb. Now, who's the Lamb? Jesus. I like the Lamb. Where He goes, I want to go. And notice what it says. And with Him 144,000. That's symbolic. Symbolic of people from all over the world who had His name and His Father's name written where? on their foreheads. Right where Deuteronomy 6 says it goes, there will be a people at the end who say no to the world and yes to Christ, who love the law of God, who His name will be in their forehead. Friend, the Sabbath is that part of God's law that has been forgotten by many Christians, good Christians, who love the Lord Jesus. I'm not here putting any one of them down. I have been one in the past. 
And I have great respect for many Sunday-keeping believers, so I'm not here to denigrate anyone who differs with me on this point. But the Sabbath is that part of God's law that according to the Bible is the sign of the everlasting covenant. You are listening to Reaching Your Heart. More with Pastor Michael Oxentenko in just a moment. A reminder, we are a listener-funded ministry. We do appreciate your support. If you can help us out with a financial contribution, here's the phone number, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. You can also find us on the web at reachingyourheart.com. Here he is, Pastor Mike, once again. Turn to Ezekiel twenty twelve in your Bible. God is speaking. Moreover, I gave them my Sabbaths. He's quoting Exodus 31 12 here. I gave them my Sabbaths as a sign between me and them that they might know, in other words, be informed, believers, that I, the Lord, sanctify them, that I am with them. I can make them holy. The Sabbath is the sign, friend, of the everlasting covenant of God's name, his law, his character. And it shows that God's mercy and justice can find its way into our life. We can be sanctified by the presence of the living God. How important is the everlasting covenant to Christians today? We often hear Christians saying, I'm a new covenant Christian. I am a new covenant Christian. But how important is the everlasting covenant? Turn to Hebrews 13, 12. The Bible says, Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, How did he do it? What does it say? By the blood of the eternal covenant. It was the blood of the eternal covenant that Christ shed on the cross of Calvary. And what does that mean for us? Verse 21. May that equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in you that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. You see, that everlasting covenant is important to believers. We need the blood of Christ. We need to be obedient. Only Jesus can make that happen. Friend, the eternal covenant is the promise that God made before all time in Christ. It is the mystery of his will, of his moral will to love us at all cost. To love his creation more than the creator. To be willing to empty himself and love us to the end. Even if deity must die, his creation must live on. Because love finds a way to love and keep on loving. And Christ, who is God in human flesh, kept that promise that was affirmed in Eden. He kept it on the cross of Calvary. The eternal covenant and nothing less is what brought Jesus to the cross of Calvary. It is the eternal law of love that is in God that said, I will die for my creation rather than letting them die for themselves. I will uphold the integrity of my law, but I will love them more than my law. I will place myself in the place of execution to save the sinner. And according to Hebrews 13, 12, Jesus shed his blood as the blood of the eternal covenant. Now compare it with 1 Corinthians eleven twenty five. Let's read this verse together. In the same way also, the cup, after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Jesus is speaking. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. Now, in this verse, Jesus' blood is called the blood of the new covenant. Do you see that on the text there? Doesn't it say that his blood is the blood of the new covenant? Now, we just read a text. Hebrews 13, his blood is the blood of the everlasting covenant. Now, you got those two in your buffer here? So if Jesus' blood is the blood of the eternal covenant and Jesus' blood is the blood of the new covenant, 
then the eternal covenant is the new covenant. Come on, A equals B, B equals C, A equals C. That's not contrived. What we know as the new covenant is in fact an expression of the everlasting covenant. Moses says the Sabbath is the sign of the everlasting covenant. That means that it is a sign in time of God's name and law that gave us grace and mercy at the cross of Calvary. Now, I have been taught growing up in my church that Sunday is the new covenant Sabbath by very godly people. Now, I'm not here denigrating anyone. And that Jesus instituted Sunday as a memorial of the resurrection, thus that becomes the new covenant Sabbath. Now, here's only one problem. When I began to study my Bible... I couldn't find any evidence of that in the New Testament or the Old Testament. It's not there. Christ never commanded it. The apostles never commanded it. In fact, they keep on keeping Saturday as the Sabbath. And then when I studied history, I discovered that the church kept Saturday for 250 years until Alexandria, Rome, according to Constantine, early church Orthodox historian of the 4th century, said they ceased to do so because of some ancient tradition. But then the church of the Western Empire kept it to the 6th century so the armies of the Orthodox Church came and killed their ministers and shut it down. The Sabbath just wouldn't go away easily in the early Christian experience. In fact, I discovered something very important that the Sabbath, decisively for me, is not so much about being right, because it's not. It's about knowing the one who is right. Now let's look at these points here. Number one, in the Bible... A covenant must be ratified or inaugurated by the shedding of blood. How do I know that, the Bible says? So look at Hebrews 9.18. Hence, even the first covenant was not ratified without blood. So when you start a covenant, you have to shed blood. So the eternal covenant was not ratified until Jesus died on the cross. The new covenant was not ratified until Jesus died on the cross. When Christ died, it became operative. It was just a promise until then. It became operative when he died. Number two. The Bible teaches that Jesus shed his blood as the blood of the new covenant. That means Jesus ratified the new covenant with his blood. We looked at 1 Corinthians 11.25. I'm not going to read it again. He says, this is the cup of the new covenant, my blood. Number three, you cannot add to a covenant once the blood has been shed and the covenant has been ratified. In other words, how many of you like to change a contract after you sign it? You want to change it? You know, you sign, well, I didn't really mean that. My feelings matter more. Do you ever try to go to court doing that? It won't work. Look at Galatians 3.15. New King James Version here. Brethren, I speak in the manner of men, though it is only a man's covenant. Yet if it is confirmed, the Hebrew word is ratified, no one annuls or adds to it. You cannot change a covenant once it has been ratified. So if Jesus is going to change the Sabbath from Saturday to Sunday, he must do it before he dies on the cross of Calvary on Good Friday. Because once that blood is shed and the covenant is ratified, you cannot alter the new covenant. It stays the way it is. Now turn with me to Matthew 24.20. Here Christ is preaching just before he will die. He is looking to the time of the end. He's given instruction to his church. If he's going to change the Sabbath, now he must do it before the blood is shed that ratifies the new covenant. Look at verse 20. He says, pray that your flight may not be in winter or when? On a Sabbath. Verse 21, 
For then there will be great tribulation, such as not occurred since the beginning of the world until now, no one ever shall be. Christ is saying at that final tribulation at the end, in the Roman tribulation to come, you want to have a strong experience in keeping the Sabbath. Now, if he was going to change it and make the new covenant Sabbath Sunday, he would not be saying what he's saying right here. This is clear, plain talk from Jesus. So here's the logical conclusion, pulling all the evidence together. Since Jesus never spoke of a change in Scripture before he ratified the new covenant with his death on the cross, Sunday comes three days too late to be in the new covenant. That is the clear teaching of the Word of God. It cannot be in the new covenant. The writer of Hebrews describes the new covenant this way. Turn to Hebrews 8, verse 8. The days will come, says the Lord, when I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel, with the house of Judah. This is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. Now, he doesn't say he'll do away with his law. He says, I will put my law into their minds. You know, like on your forehead. I will write them on their hearts. And notice how close a relationship this is. I will be their God and they shall be my people. That's what the new covenant is about. God's law going inside, not getting thrown away, and we become close to God. And finally, Hebrews 4, 4, 9, and 10. For he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way. And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever enters God's rest also ceases from his labors as God did from his. Now he's saying this, the Sabbath is a perpetual sign here of the rest we have in the gospel. If the Sabbath was done away with, how could it be an argument for the gospel in Hebrews 4? It would make no sense. In fact, it would make God deceitful. Exodus 31, 17, again, speaking of the Sabbath, it is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. In the Old Testament, the sign of a covenant is in fact the covenant itself in a way. We know that the covenant of circumcision worked this way. That circumcision was a sign, it was also a covenant. I know it because of how my anniversary works. How many of you guys remember your anniversary? <laughs> Every hand better go up, okay. You forget your anniversary, you're forgetting your wife, right? I goofed up once and got confused on this matter. Ooh, that was a hard week. You see, why is the anniversary so important? Because it renews the relationship. It affirms the covenant, doesn't it? Why is the Sabbath so important? Why is it the only commandment in the Tim where God says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy? Because when we come on time to church, you hear me? We come on time to church. We strive to enter that rest. We are saying to God, I'm going to renew what started at the dawn of time. You will be my God and I will be your son or daughter. The Bible says the Sabbath is a sign of the eternal covenant that God affirmed at creation. It is the promised day, the covenant day. I'm going to end with one verse, John 17, verse 3. So why is it important? You know, the life of God is in the seventh day. Why is it important? John 17, 3. Here's why. And this is eternal life, that they might know Thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom Thou hast sent. 
God has given us the seventh day as a sign and a seal that we might never stop knowing God as Savior and Creator throughout the ceaseless ages of eternity and that we might do what we need most definitely to do, that we might come and rest in Him and never give up on Him and forever and ever and ever and ever and ever learn anew that love goes on and on and on because God is with us. May God bless you on this Holy Sabbath day. Dear Heavenly Father, as we have talked about the Sabbath today, which we don't often do here in this way, Father, help us to remember that when you give a gift of love, it is just that. It is a gift of love for your people. And Father, I'm grateful that Jesus, when he died on that cross, searched the entire Old Testament as to what he could say to let us know that we were forgiven to let us know that the gospel works, that God's grace is in his law, and it all happened at Calvary in atonement. And Father, I'm grateful that he reached back to the very beginning, to Genesis 2-2, when it says God finished his work on the seventh day. And Jesus, as he died, as the sun was setting, as the Sabbath was coming on, as Good Friday was ending, I'm grateful he affirmed the promise. It is finished. Father, there are people here today who strive for acceptance, who don't know that in Jesus it is finished. May the Sabbath teaching draw them closer to Jesus and unite the hearts of God's dear waiting saints. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening today to Reaching Your Heart with Pastor Michael Oxentenko. We are a listener-supported ministry and would love for you to partner with us as we continue to present Christ-centered biblical truths of Scripture in practical and relevant ways. Call us right now at 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Visit the website reachingyourheart.com to find out more about this ministry, Reaching Your Heart, and Pastor Michael Oxentenko. That's Reaching Your Heart yourheart.com 888-244-HOPE that's 888-244-4673 you can donate right there on the website reachingyourheart.com 888-244-HOPE thanks for listening and as always we do pray that God is reaching your heart three-star general Michael J. Flynn head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency knew all the government's dirty secrets he was one of the most respected generals in the military Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to he understood its funding he ordered the first audit of the use of contractors this set off alarm bells the explosive new documentary Flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost and covers the facts behind this scandal Flynn told the truth he was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.